Good morning. morning. All right, Exodus chapter 3. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, the burning bush or the calling of Moses.、Um, at this point, Stephen tells us in Acts chapter 7 that Moses has been living as a desert nomad for 40 years, tending to sheep that don't belong to him. And in some ways, you could say that it's been 40 years of Nothing happened. It really is interesting how, in some ways, you would see it as 40 years of nothing, but in other ways, it's 40 years of being shaped. He went from being a man of destiny, a man with nationalistic identity, a deliverer, a prince of Egypt, a man of self importance, to becoming a nobody. He names his son Sojourner, a man without a country. He's learned to become content in his new life, and over the course of 40 years, a lot of stuff evaporated, like things tend to do in the desert, like narcissism and bitterness. All that stuff's gone. And he becomes a man who is able to wonder and marvel at a bush that's not being consumed by fire.、Um, a man who doesn't dismiss this sight as some stupid bush as a bitter man would. And that's when God calls him. And it says in verse 4 that when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, that's when he called.、Hmm. Yeah, so Moses was keeping the flock of his father in law, and、um, in his daily faithfulness in doing so, he became the sort of person who would see a burning bush and hear God's voice. And as Peter talked about things、uh, needing to be evaporated before God could use us, I thought about how being a faithful steward to his father in law's flock molded him into becoming a good steward、uh, who would care for this flock but not be possessive over them. Not be greedy or self seeking. And in a way, it was a 40 year training to be a steward over God's flock, leading the people out of Egypt through the desert and through all their rebellion and faithlessness, and then hand them over to God's will when He couldn't go into the promised land with them. And maybe that's a lesson for us. Perhaps some things in our own lives need to be evaporated. Maybe that's what God's waiting for us. Sins and vices, narcissistic dreams that need to make room for God's bigger dreams, failures that haunt us and form the basis of our self consciousness. Maybe that's what God's waiting for. I don't know, it just gave me something to think about today.、Mm-hmm. So then in verse 4, it says, When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see. And I thought about what is God like? You know, he doesn't force us into anything, but rather he is patient and waits until we are ready to see the signs that he gives us, the burning bushes in our lives. He waits not only until we can see them, but until we're willing to turn aside to see what the sign is all about. God isn't heavy handed, but deals with us with such patience, even at some cost. And I think that means that it cost the Israelites who were in Egypt 40 more years of oppression until Moses was ready to hear God's voice. And sometimes I think about who else may be waiting in bondage because of my hesitance to die to my own personal ambitions for my life. I think it's a sobering thought, and it reminds me that as followers of Christ, as his ministers, none of us have the luxury of having a little old me complex. Think about those God wants to deliver from the oppression of sin through you, through me, through us. It's really interesting that that's when God calls him, and he calls him by name,、uh, and his name is Moses, and he repeats himself Moses, Moses. In other words, I drew you out of the water. I rescued you. I'm your savior. And Moses simply says, Here I am. It's a matter of posture, of course, but it's also acknowledgement. Yes, God, you are my savior. And the parallels to our own lives seem really striking to me.、Uh, we've been saved, and when we're called by God, sometimes it's with that need to acknowledge the fundamental truth that He has saved us. Sometimes that can feel annoying, but that feeling, I think it's a sign of pride. 
Pride that needs to give way to the truth that God has indeed come to our rescue and that we have needed to be rescued. And there's this thing about taking off your sandals and, and holy ground. And, and it's a foreign concept to us mainly because I think we deal with people largely as equals. But the thing here that we need to realize is that God is not our equal when he calls us, right? He's not saying, hey, buddy, let's do this thing together. No, he's He's holy other. He's, he's set apart. And that difference is something that we need to really grapple with. He's holy. We're not. Uh, and I, I wonder if that's something that hits us when we do our devotions or when we pray. I mean, we're not dealing with an equal. At the, at the very least, I think we need to learn to verbalize that difference and say, God, I acknowledge that you are holy, holy, holy. And maybe by doing so, we can do something similar to what Moses is doing here, physically acting out what he already acknowledged with his mouth by saying, here I am. Hmm. So verse 6, um, I thought about how God doesn't introduce himself to Moses as the God of the universe, the creator, the almighty, all of that, which he is all those things. But interestingly, he chooses to reveal himself to Moses as the God of his father, the hmm. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And these names, they have stories that go along with them about how God related with each person each of them, each in a different way. God is this personal and relational, and God relates to each of us in the same way. He's not some policeman in the sky demanding compliance to a set of do's and don'ts. No, he relates to each of us personally and wants us to journey with him, to build a relationship with him, to have a testimony about him in our lives. So going on to verse 7, uh, we can see that God is not blind to our suffering. He has seen and He knows the oppression that we are under, that, that oppression under the bondage of sin. Just like for the Israelites, He provided a way for all of us through mm. Jesus. Now we get to answer His call to lead His lost children out of the bondage of sin through bringing them the gospel. Mm. And I think like Moses, we might respond and we might feel like, who am I? But God says the same thing to us that he said to Moses, right? That he will be with us to the ends of the earth. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about that too and how Moses' response to God's plan was, who am I? Um, and that sort of parallels the question posed to Moses after he killed the Egyptian. Who are you to act like a prince and judge over us? And there's something about that which really haunted Moses all this time, I think. And uh, while God's answer almost seems like he's ignoring Moses, it's not like that. God's directly responding to that fear. Uh, and that fear had planted itself in Moses' heart, right? And, and God's saying, all that stuff that you fear, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll be with you. And, and that's what matters. Which seems so apt, almost comforting as we approach this year with our own set of fears and worries and anxieties. And because, you, know, you know, all those fears and stuff are based on something that happened to us a long time ago. Just as God is telling Moses, he, I think he's telling us. That all that stuff doesn't matter. It's all in the past, as long as I am with you. And as it says in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, Apostle Paul goes on to say, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And I hope that that's something that can really give us confidence in doing the things that we're, we're setting out to do in 2021 with church planting and other things like that. Amen. Okay, right. have a good day. See you later.